Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast by ANZ UK. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Exceptional Education Early Childhood Edition podcast. My name is Kyle Taylor and I'm very excited for you to be joining me today as we have a massive episode of some really exceptional guests. Firstly, we'll be joined by Jessica Abril, who is one of the Victorian PERM consultants here at ANZ UK, and she'll be giving us a better insight into what the market currently looks like, what it potentially may look like, and how you can best be prepared for when the time comes. I'll also be joined by Alison Lucas, who is the head trainer and assessor over at the Australian Learning Group, which is an RTO that runs across Australia, where some of our own Cert 3 and Diploma educators have come from. Alison will be telling us a bit more about her journey into early childhood and her current career path. And finally, Rob and myself took some time out to interview Queensland State Manager Taryn Lanan, who is our A-team member in focus for this week. Well, let's get started. And now we are joined by Jessica Abril. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Hi, Kel. Thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast today. No worries. Great to have you on. Um, I wanted to get you on, obviously you work with the PERM team here in Victoria, uh, so I was hoping to get a bit more of an insight of what the PERM market's looking like at the minute. Can you tell us a bit more about what's happening? Yeah, 100%. So just to give you a bit of an idea, guys, I've been doing um, recruitment in the early childhood sector for close to five years now, and obviously you know, 2020, it's been a challenging year for everyone and and especially has hit us hard in the early childhood sector. However, um, at the moment, we do have a few opportunities going on. In terms of volume, um, it's obviously not near what I used to have but there is few roles available, especially key roles around, you know, center directors or early childhood teacher positions. Um, I know the guys in New South Wales and Queensland, they are quite busy at the moment. Obviously they are not under stage four. Um, And in Sydney, I believe they're working on like 50 old permanent positions. So I guess the market is different in different cities. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, yeah, the market's still going ahead and it's it's might not be as booming as it sort of has been. Um, so what would you suggest to the people who are sort of stuck at home now, but, you know, wanting a permanent position when the time comes and, you know, maybe four weeks from now or, or beyond that? Yeah, look, exactly right. I, I believe if everything goes according to the plan, you know, um, around September, mid-September is when stage four um, will be finishing. So we imagine that they will that will open a lot more of opportunities. Um, there's few things that you should be doing now if your end goal is to secure a permanent position. So things like update your resume, work on your resume, make it look pretty, one or two pages max, you know, look up information on how to edit your resume. The second thing is if you're not on LinkedIn, get onto it straight away. Set yourself as open to new opportunities. Make sure you're networking, like connecting with, you know, people from the sector, because that's very important. LinkedIn 
is is massive when it comes to looking for a job is uh, how I stayed connected with a lot of um, early childhood professionals. It's how the HR managers from different organizations get in touch with potential candidates as well. As well. So yeah, definitely get into it. Um, the other thing that I will suggest is, and, and this is, you know, in general as well, keep um, the the relationships with your your friends, with your work colleagues, ex work colleagues, because you never know. You know, in the other side of these things, a friend of a friend might tell you that there is a job going on somewhere else, and that's how you you will land your next opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a uh, a small community out there in in early childhood. That's one thing I I think I've learned. Um, so I. I also want to know a bit more about um, people who are coming fresh out of, of, you know, getting their Cert 3 or diploma who, who might want a full-time position but don't have the experience. Um, what, what do you suggest in that scenario to people to get done? Right. Look, this is a question that we get asked all the time. Um, during the current situation where there is not a lot of movement in terms of jobs, I will suggest you start attending as many professional development sessions as you can, because that definitely helps. Um, when things start getting back to normal, join us for casual, because that will give you the exposure and the experience that you need to secure a permanent position. And a lot of the times what happens is you go to a service, they love you, they love your interaction with the children and there is an, a permanent opportunity there. You can um, you can do the transition from temp to perm easy, more than going through the whole process of applying for roles and you know interviewing when you don't have necessarily the experience. Um, to apply for those roles. So the 10 to perm situation is probably a really good scenario. Um, also, you know, join, um, do a bit of volunteer work at some services that will give you some more experience as well. If you are fresh out of uni, you, you will need to get some more experience. So maybe if you are a bachelor, you may start as an assistant educator in the kindergarten, which you will have a a teacher that will mentor you and guide you. So then the next time you will be the kindergarten teacher running the room. Absolutely. It's all about that experience and the getting that practicing, isn't it? It yeah, it is. Like, you know, I I never thought I was gonna be I was gonna work in recruitment in, in early childhood. Um so and I had to start, you know, resourcing candidates and slowly, slowly work my way up. To, to where I am now. So uh, to, to secure your dream job, you need to to go through all the steps <laughs> that will lead right. you into it. Okay, perfect. So again, what would you say to, if someone's on our books or, or working for ANZ UK or, or you know, doing a casual position, but thinking about a, a permanent role, what would they, what would the process do? Who would they get in touch with? What's the best way to do that? Right. So um, if you want the assistance from from us, ANZ UK, and you are in um, in Victoria, get in touch with me. 
Um, we do have permanent consultants in each stage, state. So if you're in Sydney or in, in Brisbane, you know, get in touch with the ANZ UK offices and, and they will um, send you to the right direction in terms to, to the consultant that you need to speak to. Um, if you're in Melbourne and, and you are looking to secure a permanent opportunity and want my assistance, so basically get in touch with me. We will have a like really casual chat over the phone where I will have a better understanding of, you know, where you're heading, what sort of role would suit you, what sort of service would suit you, because there is so many different services out there. You have your, you know, loan daycare services, your standalone kindergartens, your sessional kinders, your ELC attached to private schools. Like there is a wide range of <laughs> options for you. Um, depending on your experience, the location, you know, how far you're willing to travel for work, then we will discuss the options that we have for you at the moment. Right. Um, then we will prep you for an interview as well. So, uh, you know, we'll give you some interview tips, basically using your own experience, um, but just making sure that you're saying the right things during an interview. Um, we will assist you with salary negotiation. We will assist you with, will be with you through every step of the recruitment process until you land a position. Excellent. So the, the right position might not be there at the moment, but at least you've been made aware. So when the right position does come up, you can contact that person, whether it be a week or two down the track or six months to a year. Right? Yes, exactly yeah. right. And what happens a lot of the time, Caitlin, and people are not aware of this is, for example, I'm talking to you today and you're saying, oh, you know, I really want to be a, a director again. I've been a director before. And I'm saying, oh, crap, you know, I don't have a director position in your area at the moment. This industry, the sector moves so quickly that tomorrow yeah. I might get a call and get a director role in your area. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we don't even have to advertise for the role because I already am speaking to you. I just give you a call and I say, hey, Kel, guess what? I got your yeah. perfect role. And you, you secure a position Amazing. without even applying for it. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a, a good thing to know. I think uh, potentially a lot of people take it as, have you got anything for me right now, which, you know, might, you know, very rarely that it would work exactly like that. But it's, a, I guess, sometimes it's about that long game and just making people aware what you're looking for and, and open your options. So that way you can come back to them in two, three, four months and say, right, this is what you're looking for. I've actually got the exact job that you hundred percent, hundred percent. A lot of the time is right place, right time, really. Um, now, given the current situation, though, we're seeing that a lot more of services are open to the idea of hire someone on a short contract. For example, you know, be a room leader or a kindergarten teacher for the whole of term four. Um, that's that's also good because a lot of the time those contracts will lead into a permanent ongoing opportunity. You know, during during that term that you are at yeah. that service, you prove that you can do it. You really enjoy, um, you know, working at that service. You get along with everyone. Yeah, of course. That will lead into permanent opportunities. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that info. And I guess the same goes for the client side as well. Obviously, you sort of go with them the whole process and 
and back and forth and explain sort of step by step what you're up to, correct? Yes, 100%. When from, from a client perspective, I guess it's really key for us to have a, a really good understanding of the role, not just the responsibilities of the position, but also the, the sort of character that they're after, you know, yeah. like the, the challenges of the service, yeah. the, the kind of personality, so we can get uh, a person with the right culture fit, but also experience, qualifications and everything else. So um, for us, it's crucial to, to work in partnership with clients. So we make sure that when we are recruiting, we are targeting the right candidates as well for that service. Amazing. Well, Jessica, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add on there for anyone? No, not really, guys. Only that, um, you know, stay safe. If you are thinking of a permanent position and you, you don't know where to start, just just send me a text message, contact me on LinkedIn, give me a call. I'm always happy to chat to people. Um, and we, you never know. We, we might be able to help you. Amazing. And your email address was jessica.a at anzuk.education? Yes, that's correct. I was afraid you're going to give my private one. So, um. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, okay. <laughs> that's okay. Work only. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us. I really appreciate it. No worries, Kyle. Have a good day. Thank you. you Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Great to catch up with Jessica Avril there. As she mentioned, if you guys are interested in hearing a bit more about permanent opportunities, please call through to your consultant, send them an email, or call through to the office and they'll be able to direct you to the right people. We do have multiple opportunities going across each state, uh, so it's always a good time to, to show your interest in that and we can help you down the path, or even if you have any further questions. Now, very excited for this next segment. Uh, we'll be chatting to Alison and I'll tell you a bit more about that now. Well, today we're joined by Alison Lucas, who is the head trainer and assessor over at ALG, the Australian Learning Group. Um, now she's in charge of early childhood mm-hmm. uh, across four different sites. Is that right? Alison? That's right. Yeah. yeah perfect. So, um, so thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to get more, uh, get a better insight into your experience and your history and and where you're going from there. So. We'll, we'll get started. I mean, feel free to tell me a bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you end up? How'd you get there? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I grew up in Sydney, um, you know, with a, a brother and a sister and a mum and a dad. Um, you know, uh, all, all of that's pretty um, pretty standard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did uh, end up, uh, when I was about 23 years old, um, I got my first uh, directing job in early childhood service um, and then about a year after that I ended up teaching in London for a while um, yeah which is great so that of course you know heightened my understanding of <laughs> yeah. obviously different kinds of practices yeah. which is oh, great absolutely. yeah so fantastic learning opportunity but um, I finished school in the year 2000 um, and went straight into my diploma of early childhood education um, I studied that for 18 months uh, full-time um, I left with a with a job uh, which is fantastic. Very nice yes great um, job. Yeah went straight into uh, working in the sector and um, within a couple of years after that that's when I got my first directing position. Um, so I've been working in the sector now for about 20 years. Wow. 
um, in various different kinds of roles in various different kinds of services. Um, I really enjoyed uh, working in the sector so much that I ended up working for a company that was prepared to um, support me when it came to studying my early childhood degree. Okay. Uh, so they financially supported me, but also gave me some study time off the floor as well of where I was able to yeah, complete my degree uh, in 2009. Uh, yeah, so I've been working wow. there ever since. Yeah, and quite a journey. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic, you know, and yeah. I still run into families and children uh, that I taught in the very beginning and they yeah. still remember my name, which is really nice. And we, I always say how small early childhood actually is across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you always, you know, I've only been in it myself personally for just about two years now and the connections you make and the people you meet from other people it's never ending which is amazing oh absolutely and I've got some trainers here that working in my team now that I worked in in an early childhood service um it's also it's about you know encouraging those who are really passionate about the sector who are wanting to take that next step to encourage the new generation to come through and be just as passionate about what we are so um yeah I I have, you know, some trainers here that I worked with in the services, which is really great. And um, we're able to share that knowledge with the students that we see every single day. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. uh, We operate in London as well. And actually, Mm. that's right. I sort of started with ANZ UK was in our London office. Um, And it's a very different sector over there and how they operate. And, um, you know, they don't have as many childhood centres or services operating as we do. Um, Mm. But I imagine that experience would have been hugely helpful in bringing some new ideas back and some fresh perspective on it all. Definitely. You know, especially when we do promote quite a lot of inclusive practice, you know, throughout our, you know, our service. So um, it's great to have that understanding of what it is actually like in a country that we don't speak English. And, and I know London, they speak English, yeah. but um, of course you do, off, you know, do the travel from there. So, yeah, of course. Um, you, you know, we bring home that that understanding, you know, yeah. what it is actually like for those families that do come into your service who come from exactly. a different background. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, I'm always encouraging my guys to consider it and go do a year or two and, you know, take advantage of their visas where they can and, you know, get that experience under the belt. So uh, it's great to hear you've had that experience as well. (laughs) So what originally made you get into early childhood? Was it a lifelong passion or did you fall into it? How did that come about? Uh, It's a really good question. Um, Look, I think, you know, even from a really young age, and I do share lots of stories with my students about why I wanted to teach in the first place. And it was through um, other teachers that I had throughout my life who really did have an impact. And um, so I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. What kind of teacher? I was not too sure. Um, And year 12, we had a unit called Exploring Early Childhood. It was a one unit subject, um, but it was something that I excelled in and um, um, top of my class, which I never thought I'd be the top <laughs> yeah. of my class. Um, but yeah, got the, t- you know, was actually able to get on stage and do all of that. And, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I met some incredible trainers when I did my diploma who just continuously built that passion. Right. Yeah, yeah. for working with children and families. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Mm. Uh, seems like it's worked out well for you. So, how did you decide to make the move now into, you know, working in a classroom and a service to going into a trainer and, and working your way up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
That's pretty easy. And I think that all of the trainers that I have here will all say the same thing. And um, what we wanted to do was to really continuously promote um, professional practice within an early right. childhood service. Um, that's something that's really important to us. Um, that uh, that's what I wanted to do. I always loved having students uh, within yeah. my service. I really liked working with students as an educator in a centre. Um, and it was just kind of a natural progression from there that uh, we wanted to be um, that starting foundation to promote, yeah. you know, what the sector is actually all about. Um, and it starts from passion and it inspired from passion, you know, for that continuous professional development, even when you have finished your qualifications. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I guess I've never really thought about it till you've sort of just said it now, but, you know, you, those people who are getting students in their classroom, the teachers or the diplomas working under them, um, you know, you are sort of that first protocol and, you know, you've, are somewhat shaping the, the future industry. You might not think mm. about it, um, but you have a lot to play in that. How that person carries on their career and, and what they go into and how they um, yeah. work essentially. Yeah, hundred percent. I had a parent uh, in my last centre say to me when I told her I was changing, you know, into the training and assessing position. She said, "I think that's fantastic." She said, "In an early childhood service, we can inspire thirty children a year, you know. But if we can inspire thirty educators who have thirty mm -hmm. children a year, that just kind of, you know, amplifies so, everything yeah. that we do." Yeah. yeah, and I went. That was a really nice way of looking at it. And um, yeah, I've kind of kept that with me my yeah. whole way through this journey as well Amazing. to know that if I can inspire that one student who's going yeah. to inspire 30 children and families every year then that's that's huge yeah yeah that, that's massive and again that's something ANZ UK think about as well you know we've similar to your situation a lot of our guys are teachers or you know ex-educators that have come out of the industry to to back this other side of it and go right well what can we do to help in, in the back end and you know create better futures for these children and and everyone going through there so yeah that that's amazing it's it's very in line with ourselves which is great to hear yeah so what advice would you give give then to someone who's looking to start their cert three or or go on to their diploma um you know that might not think it's worth it or have the confidence or or know more about it i guess yeah, look, confidence comes with experience and passion yeah. at the end of the day. And, you know, um, I see these students every day who, you know, are petrified on their first day of work placement yeah. and talking to families. Oh, heaven forbid it. It's just <laughs> this terrifying experience. Yeah. But, um, again, that comes with confidence. And, um, you know, and I think that that's what our role is to, to really build that and bring that out in our students as well. Um, look, I think... My advice is if you're passionate about what you do, go for it. Um, working with children, it's not just working with children, though. And I think that that's something that sometimes is very, 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 very much forgotten. Um, that, you know, it is also about working the families as well. Um, you know, what we actually can do in our sector, which is pretty cool, um, is we can actually support our families with that with that parenting role you know and yeah. and guiding families and working in partnerships with families to have that best outcome for children uh, and also our community you know plays a really big part in in all of that so um, I think if you've got the the right 
attitude in relation to wanting to bring out those outcomes in children, it is definitely 100% the profession for you. Um, I often say to my family, it's it's not a job for me. It's a, it's a part of who I am. Right. Um, and I know that sounds corny, but um, <laughs> it, it really is. Um, you know, the pay packet's just a bonus at the end of the day, you know, and that feeling that you can get when you know that um, you've made a difference is just worth every single yeah. minute. Yeah, absolutely. They're probably the most passionate people, early, educated, early childhood educators that I've worked with. They are more passionate than, you know, anyone else I've, I've ever seen in any industry so um that's one thing i've i've always loved you know it's only been two years as i said before yeah. in that two years I've, I've seen some incredible scenarios so um mm. yeah love, love seeing that and love hearing that as well so once what what advice do you give on the other side of that they've applied and ha- how to maximize the best out of their study and their time doing that cert three or the diploma and their placements yeah get involved um, I think the maxima, ask those questions, um, brainstorm with your trainers about, it's it's not a, a unit that you can do, it's not a course that you can do that's got the textbook answers. You know, the textbook helps you guide your practice, but it is not something that is a textbook yeah. um, course. So, you know, to maximise your opportunities, you know, within this course is to have those professional debates, you know, those <laughs> level of understanding about why children uh, behave the way that they do, how to collaborate with families. So, and the best way to do that is to, to get involved uh, in your class discussions, to ask those questions um, and, you um, continuously keep on reading you know keep on watching our youtube videos and um and those continuous professional development opportunities uh get involved in the facebook chat groups that are going on with educators (laughs) within uh i get lots of fantastic resources from there um but uh yeah i think that that's probably the best thing get your hands dirty um Brilliant. Yeah, you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty with <laughs> yeah. um, colourful edical dye and paint and, and yeah. other bits and yeah. pieces. But, um, yeah, to be a part of these discussions, to really build your own individual teaching pedagogy. And I think uh, there's not one educator out there that's the same. Uh, we're all different. We're all unique in um, what we value and how we believe that children learn. And our course is just going to help you guide your own value system um, with, of course, our policies and regulations and procedures um, into, you know, how you can actually make a difference. So I think that's pretty cool in the sense that you can be quite individual um, yeah, as well. Yeah. 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 The, the feedback we often receive is, you know, the pe- you know, positive feedback is always about the people who are getting involved and jumping in, getting covered in paint or mud or whatever the day will bring. Yeah. Um, those people are always the ones getting the positive feedback and um yeah I, I couldn't back that up enough to just get involved as much as you can absolutely and you're a role model and you're an advocate for children yeah you know and and um there's nothing more important no absolutely yeah. so you ha- you have been in the industry for for quite a while and obviously different sides of it um have there been big changes you've noticed across your time from, you know, or even from becoming an educator to a trainer? Yeah, 
um, when I first started in the sector, um, the curriculum was a lot more um, structured, um, a lot more uh, teacher directed, um, and all of the um, theories and practice are, from around the world has really shaped the early years learning framework to what it is today. Um, it was a rocky change within the industry, you know, yeah. getting people on board um, as it seemed a little bit too flexible for some people. Um, however, it ended up shifting to being a lot more child focused and a lot more child centred and uh, and bringing out that life learn, lifelong learning passion out of children um, and to be working with children, not for children, uh, which has made a massive dramatic difference to the sector. Um, I often do share those stories with the students. In my day, you know, I'm really not that old. Um, But, you know, in that 20 years, that's a huge shift. And um, that huge shift in level of understanding about how children develop and the strategies that we can use when working with children, opposed to for or on behalf of children is... um, is pretty incredible to go through that journey in that time frame. Yeah, I have to admit, I wasn't completely sold when the early years learning framework yeah. came in as well. So yeah. it was a big shift for me as yeah. well, thinking how do I adapt this and still keep that structure and still keep that, you know, routine and that flexibility, that, you know, um, those kinds of skills that children do need when they do go move into school, but also really adapt that flexibility in relation to how children actually learn, you know. Right. Change is one of the hardest things to, to accept sometimes. Uh, we were just talking about the phone system. Obviously, when yeah. we introduced it back in the day, we were like, no, we don't want to change this program. Uh, yeah. Now, can't pitch a life about it. So sometimes yeah, being open is another good thing to be, um, as open as possible and uh, yeah. willing to accept it sometimes. Yeah, and good point for our sector too. You have to be open to change. Exactly. You know, you have to be open to a different opinion or a different a way of doing things. And um, as I said, all educators have got their own way of doing it, but each child has their own own personality and their own way of learning. And there's not one child that's going to be the same. Exactly right. Yeah. Amazing. So, I mean, Tom, can you tell me a bit more about ALG itself? I know now they've got four sites, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me a bit more about how they operate and, and what you guys, how you guys differ from the others in the sector. Yeah, sure. Uh, we are an international college, um, so we have uh, a lot of our students come from diverse regions of the world, um, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, and they they come with their own skill set and their own knowledge. Um, so yeah, you're right. We've got the four campuses. Um, the main campus is in Sydney, so you know uh, all of the heavy behind the scenes work comes from Sydney. Yeah. Um, we have uh, quite an incredible early childhood team um, here, of course, with all the other departments too, yeah. they can all hear me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, we do have an incredible and, and I think that what's really incredible about early childhood team is each and every one of our trainers has that same passion that I I have, you know, and what I've talked about and the reasons why they're in the classroom is exactly the same reasons, um, which is which is fantastic. 
So a lot of our course is as hands-on and as practical as much as we possibly can. Uh, we encourage the excursions and go to the park and practice those physical skills and um, and go to the library and look at, you know, if we were to take a group of children to the library, what would we be doing here? And uh, we've got the aquarium just down the road and the same kind of thing as well. You know, if you were to take a group of children here, what kinds of lessons would we be doing and how would we do that based on our regulation and our practice? So, um, Apart from all of that, we've got our simulation labs. So all of our students have those skills practiced before they do go in the workplace and then they go and practice them again. So things like our nappy changing um, environments are pretty much exactly what they would see in an early childhood service. Um, their bottle preparation, you know, those kinds of things. We've got those actual resources here um, and they do actually practice those skills here on site before they go in. So uh, what we try to do the best that we possibly can um, is to empower the students' confidence and skill set before they're actually going into the services to work with the children and families as well, um, which definitely helps with their confidence building, their relationships within the service um, and their you know, attitude in relation to their very first day. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big part of um, us. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually been, I've, I've been personally to the Melbourne one yeah. um, and you're exactly right. It is set up very much like yeah. a classroom. Um, you know, lovely little setup you've got there in the city. And I know a couple of my colleagues have been to the Brisbane and Sydney one and, and yeah. very similar reports that the, the setup is actually really fantastic. I've done a presentation for a lot of your, your guys, um, your educators, uh, and yeah, it was a great experience actually, which is how we connected here to be able to do this podcast again. Nice. Uh, I thought of you straight away for something like this. So, what what do you see in the future for yourself, for the early childhood sector? What what are the plans from here? I've often forecast. I, I do often <laughs> think about that. That's yeah. always a really hard one, and. And um, I always like to keep my my hands in the sector as much as I can. So I, I do try to encourage myself to go in and into the centres and, and still be a part of, of all of that. Um, Australian Learning Group has got a, um, a have developed a partnership with Icon Institute, which is our higher education qualification. So uh, the latest information I have on that is that will be ready next year. So the students have actually got that direct pathway into higher education with us. Um, and that course was designed around our diploma course uh, as well. Um, so they've got that easy transition through. Yeah, um, so that's pretty huge for us, especially for our international students as well. Yeah, well um, yeah when it comes to supporting them um, or sending them to TAFE. Not anymore. Um, yeah, they stay here with us. And, um, you know, one of the other things, and I said this is going to sound definitely going to sound really corny, but um, we, we do adopt our frame, the early childhood framework in our classrooms. You know, we want our students to feel like that they belong. Um, and, um, you know, that there this is the classroom, which is their home away from home and uh, it's a safe place for them to be, you know, to share those deep discussions and to do those role plays and, and other bits and pieces that they need to do. So, um, me personally, I'm pretty happy with yeah. what I do. Um, I've been doing this for a couple of years now um, and ALG was fantastic in relation to seeing my skill set. So I started uh, about two years ago here uh, as a contract trainer two days a week 
Um, and by the end of that year, I was the national workplace consultant. And three months after that, I became the head trainer. So, um, yeah, it's been a massive change, a massive transition <laughs> yeah. through. And, and um, you know, the, the company is, is really big on, um, you know, seeing people's skill set and promoting and, and giving us the resources and the tools that we need to be able to be as successful as what we can be so we are a fantastic academic team we all lean on each other um you know with all of our courses intertwine in some way where we've got mental health and counseling community services fitness yoga dance massage um they all do intertwine in lots of ways and um, I do pick out on the yoga teacher's mind about, you know, how to do yoga for children. And yeah, the fitness good. team always gets me picking at them as well as going, can you give yeah. me some more activities I could do that would work? And yeah. um, massage, she can hear me. Um, but um, <laughs> I often, you know, go to her and talk about, you know, relaxation techniques, for especially for young babies when it looks at relieving that stress on the hands and on the feet. And, and so we all do intertwine and we do share our knowledge with each other. Um, which is really really nice you know to be able to work in that environment yeah yeah no that, that's that's incredible and i know a few of my educators have come from alg and you know they've had nothing but great things to say about it so Thanks. look thank you so much for taking the time out to chat me it was amazing to catch up and and get exactly. a background on yourself and alg and yeah exciting times ahead i imagine <laughs> for you guys especially with the new partnership absolutely um, yeah. yeah. Is is there anything else you you sort of want to add to to this, or you want to say? Uh, look, I, it's always that was a tricky question. Um, <laughs> I could talk about the the sector and the industry all day and every single day, and I and obviously I do. Yeah. Um, yeah sure. But I think you know if you're really passionate about wanting to make a difference with children and families, this is a career for you. If it's something you're iffy about and you're not too sure, or if it's, you know, you like working with children, but maybe you don't want to make a career out of it, that's cool as well. You know, um, there, you know there's lots of different avenues that you can take uh, as well. But um, the early childhood sector, you know, you can truly make a difference in that first five years of a child's life. And, they, and all studies do point to a really crucial part of a child's um, life. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much. It was Pleasure. great catching up. Uh, we'll uh, stay in touch. Yes, please. <laughs> and again, I do want to take the time to thank Alison again for joining me on today's episode. It was great to get a better insight into her journey across EC. And it was really amazing to see the passion she has for training the next generation of early childhood educators. Now, on to our A-team member in focus. Rob and myself were lucky enough to get some time with Taryn Lanan, who is the Queensland State Manager. Now we are joined by another A-team member, Taryn Lanan, who is the Queensland State Manager. How are you, Taryn? I'm really well, thank you. And, you know, thanks for having me on. It's going to be great. No worries. Pleasure. We've also got Rob Evans as well. Hello. Uh, Taryn, tell us, tell us a bit about yourself. Where, where, where'd you grow up? You're, are you, you're originally from Queensland, correct? 
there. I am, I am. So a little bit about myself is I actually was born in Townsville but um, moved to Cairns when I think I was about four. So did all my schooling in Cairns. Um, come from a relatively big family, got two brothers and a sister and, of course, mum and dad. We um, just absolutely love anything to do with sport. Um, we're very competitive but, you know, love uh, a good amount of banter as well, which I think, you know, always trying to keep things positive but, you know, lots of banter and laughter in the family so yeah nice which sports uh, which sports do the linen family tend to support more um well we played touch growing up like a lot of touch so i i think i played touch since i was four years old dad used to coach mum used to be a selector dad was the president of the touch club mum was the treasurer wow. so very highly into sport but then my sister is a very good dancer so she would come down to sport and know all the terminology but wasn't the greatest uh player at the end of the day great supporter <laughs> a little cheerleader on the side <laughs> and would you would you say that's made you quite a competitive individual all the sport or yeah do you consider yourself a competitive person uh, 100% very competitive. I always love to give myself a challenge and challenge other people as well. Um, but it's good fun. You know, I think some people can take that competitive side a little bit too far. We do like to be competitive. We, I guess very sort of hard on ourselves sometimes, but when it comes to other people, we, you know, I, I think we always do look at the, the best for, for others as well. Just, I guess, hard within the family. <laughs> The board game night in the Lanan house is a safe one for other people, yeah. Pictionary <laughs> goes to the next level, let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> Tears my family apart, that's all. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how did you end up with ANZ UK? Well, funny story, because I was working over in the UK um, doing some recruitment over there, and then when I came back, I worked very closely with Simon and Vibe at, um, in London, and he was the state manager of New South Wales. I was working for another company in Sydney for some time, and he just sort of gave me a cheeky um, Facebook message and just said, hey, uh, what are you doing now? And we just started chatting, and, and so he joined in Sydney uh, about three years ago and then moved to Queensland just over a year ago now. So, yeah, thanks, Withers, for, for reaching out. Very happy with the move. Amazing. So you've obviously worked in quite a number of different places, Brisbane, yep. Sydney, and London. Which yeah. is your preferred city and why? That's a hard one. Like, London was great for what it was. Like, London was great to really, I guess, get the skills in recruitment because that's where I got the love of it. But it was also good for lots and lots of travel and, you know, just meeting loads of people. But what I really like about Brisbane is it's still quite a, a bigger place than Cairns, but it's a bit more relaxed than Sydney. Sydney was just a bit too sort of crazy and expensive for myself. So I absolutely love Brisbane. My dad lives in the Gold Coast. I try and get down there every second weekend. So, and the weather's pretty nice. You know, it's winter time now and it's really, I think it might be like 14 to, over the weekend it was about 23 degrees. So yeah, absolutely loving Brisbane. Very nice. So Sydney didn't get much of a, much of a thumbs up from you. No, like Sydney was good for the time, but um, yeah, it just wasn't sort of my jam. I think it was just, I'm a bit more of a relaxed sort of person and there I just found it's very busy and clicky and those sorts of things. So definitely loved London just to meet loads of people. Like one of my best mates now, I actually met her and lived with her in London and now she lives in Brisbane, we live across from each other. So yeah. Beautiful. I think, yeah, if you grow up in an area that's probably a little bit quieter and there's a bit more space, I think that sort of place like London or Sydney long-term could probably get a little bit claustrophobic for you. 
That's exactly right. But look, I've got lots of mates that still live in Sydney and absolutely love it. So I think, as you said, it just depends where you did sort of grow up. And being from Cairns, there's a lot more space and it's really not very busy at all. So Mm -hmm. Brisbane's sort of suiting that a bit more, but a few more opportunities than, you know, Cairns. Might go back to Cairns, you know, when I'm a bit more older and, you know, want to sort of settle down, I guess. (laughs) Very nice. Open up the office down there or up there. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. There you go. Um, perfect. So you, I mean, you've, you have worked in different offices and obviously different markets in that time. Um, mainly you've worked across the temp recruitment side and the the perm recruitment side. So what do you see are the biggest differences between the two markets? And yeah, yeah, there definitely is a difference. I think the difference, like temp is very sort of, there's a buzz in the morning. You are up at 6.30, you're on the phone straight away. Lots is happening. It's very reactive. You know, they need someone to cover that shift. So you've got to get someone where perm is very sort of, breaking it down, really finding that ideal candidate, questioning people around what is it that they're actually looking for, not just an early childhood teacher, but what type of person they're looking for, and really figuring out what that person is looking for and trying to make that alignment. Not to say that we don't do that in temp, but it's more sort of, I guess, a quicker and a a busier sort of pace than perm sort of takes an extended period of time um, with that. I enjoy both, but I've learned, you know, a a lot in the perm space about negotiating and and different sort of skills that, you know, I didn't have previously. So it's been a a great learning curve. Yeah, one of the things I see is one of the biggest differences is that instant success you get in temp. You just suddenly get a win constantly and there's just constantly things you bring a teacher in and they're out working straight away permanent roles it's very much like you've really got to work on people over a long period of time whether that's a client or a candidate and you have to be prepared that the work you're doing now you might not see a success now but six nine twelve maybe even longer months down the line that's when you get you get reward for all the work that you've put in and you made a very good point there because there's someone that I um, spoke to and have been sort of working with for about 12 months now, just didn't have anything that sort of aligned with what she's looking for because I just don't want to push someone into something that's not right. And then um, now I've got her an interview and she goes in tomorrow. So just that constant Amazing. communication. But as you said, you've really got to be looking at that long game and listening to exactly what they want because if you try and push someone into something, they're just going to sort of drop out or there's no sort of trust there. And that's a, a big one for me across temple perm they've really got to trust that you have their best interests at heart i think yeah so, so i suppose that that really nicely ties in with re- relationships which is one of the um yeah. one of the ANZ uk values i was we we're keen to know kyle and myself what value of ANZ uk do you feel you represent most and why yeah very good question i think um attitude i i really love to have or bring a positive attitude because that is really something that you have control over. You can control what your mood is on that day. And if you're coming into the office with a positive outlook, that's really going to, I think, you know, spread around the team and get people sort of on board with what's happening. And that's what I have control over. And so every day I want to make sure that I'm bringing that to the team and keeping people sort of, I guess, accountable, but also in that positive um, space of, you know, our mind. Amazing. Yeah, it's definitely it infectious in a workplace, isn't it? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's what I said, you know, good banter, you've got to be professional at work, but you've also got to be able to, you know, have a laugh at times and, and really have a great team culture. So I was going to say, I've only met you a handful of times, Taryn. Uh, I've obviously seen you in many meetings, but do you even have or do you even explore a negative attitude or when <laughs> something comes in, do you just go, nah, 
bat it away. I'm going back to the positivity straight away. Um, I mean, look, you know, I, no one is perfect. So there's definitely <laughs> times that there has been sort of a, a negative spin on things. But I just believe that there's no point being like negative isn't going to get you anywhere. You know, being positive, at least you can then sort of push through. You've got to be reflective as well. You can't just be like, you know, something bad because things, of course, do go wrong in recruitment, let's be honest. But you've got to reflect on that and think, okay, what could I have done better? And then do that in the next time because we all make mistakes. We all need to be learning all of the time. And so that's how I, I guess, try to keep in that positive mind frame by, yes, I guess, looking at the negatives or the mistakes, but reflecting on that and saying, what can we do better? Amazing attitude. Well done. Great stuff. Uh, so, I mean, how did you get into education? What, where was, where's the connection there, and what was the decision to to move into that field? Yeah. Um, so I guess I was a teacher. So I was teaching in Cairns for five years as a PE teacher. Went over to the UK and was teaching through a company um, and just doing supply teaching. And then I actually went to Chamonix and did a ski season. Um, and just got an email from that company that I was working for saying, look, you're getting really good feedback in the schools. Would you ever be interested in coming and working in the office? And I was like, I don't know. And I spoke to my dad and he was like, do you want to be a 60-year-old PE teacher or do you want to have a bit of some sort of business mind and a bit of a change in sort of career, but you're still, I guess, attached to education? So I was like, yep, okay. So took the, the leap of faith, listened to dad, and here I am now. So um, I really like the both sides. As I said, I, I understand when I get a job spec from a, a client of exactly the type of person and I understand when I'm interviewing people of what they are looking for. So there's that connection. But as I said, I'm gaining new skills in an area that I had never even thought. Like I didn't know recruitment before I went over to the UK. So that's what I really love about what I do. And it's really nice to hear when so because sometimes people come in and meet with me and they're really sort of broken down. They've had a terrible experience where they were and they sometimes think that that's how all services should be. So it's nice when you put them into a place and then they're like, wow, the grass is greener on the other side and thank yes. you so much for finding me that placement. That's what I really enjoy about the um, the role, I guess. Yeah, but you've got nothing against 60-year-old PE teachers though, do you? Yeah. No, definitely not, definitely not. I'm just yeah. saying I probably I'm yeah. energetic yeah. and I want to make sure we like, might put a teacher, I'm just running around with the kids and I just think if I'm that age, I don't know if I'd have that much energy to do that. So yeah, it was a very similar thing for me when I when had the opportunity when I moved over to Melbourne to, to move into recruitment and work still in education but in a different field of education because I I, I think I was twenty three, twenty four at the time yeah. and the thought of I was thinking, Oh, I'm I i will not by the time I get into my 60s, the retirement age will be 68, 69 probably. And I was thinking, do I want to be teaching yeah. for another 45 years? And that's not to say that that door is completely closed, but I thought I want to see what other opportunities there are out there in yeah. a field that I do like that means that I've got other avenues I can go down yeah. if, if I need to. Yeah, 100%. You learn so many skills. Like um, the excitement, I guess the exciting thing about recruitment is you can have a list of things that's going to happen, but we are dealing with people. So, so many things can come through within that day that's, you know, growing yourself or you're learning new things with every conversation that you have. So, that's what I like. It is always different all of the time. So, we're not sort of stagnant in our role. Yeah, and I think the um, almost that if you go straight into teaching straight after your degree, you don't have that almost real world experience, which again is, I think, another attribute you can take if you ever went back into teaching later on. You've got that 
that understanding of working in a business, working with adults. Um, and you do, there's lots of skills that you need that you can take back into teaching as well. But obviously you made that move into recruitment. What would, um, what would be your most memorable experience over the last few years since you have gone down that pathway? Wow, most memorable experience. Huh. I don't know if I could sort of um, put one point. I guess what I really like about my experience is I have worked across so many different, I guess, areas. I've worked in London, I did sort of temporary, then I did sort of the permanent placement. So that sort of, I guess, scope or industry is quite different to Australia. I then went to Sydney and learned about early childhood. I'd actually never worked in early childhood before, um, learned a load of skills there and actually did a startup. So really from the ground up. So it was, you know, clients that yeah, I didn't know about ANZ UK and really sort of explaining what we do and what we do different to other agencies because I do believe we are different and then coming to Brisbane and doing a similar thing but the industry here is quite different so I'm always sort of I guess learning new skills just because I've had those opportunities to continually sort of I guess do startups or work over in the UK so being very fortunate sort of with my journey I guess. Amazing. Um, so uh, you've touched on touch football is something you like to do outside of work what, what other things are you sort of into at the you know that you do outside yeah. of the workplace I, I absolutely love sort of socializing with my friends going out for brunches I think I'm a bit of a foodie um <laughs> love, love going on hikes I um, actually downloaded an app called all trails so I've been trying to check out different hikes sort of all around um Brisbane and the Gold Coast oh, and then you know, um, love going to, to the gym. Every morning I go to the gym, then come into work, and I just feel like that starts my morning and I'm sort of, you know, ready to sort of, I guess, take on the day. So things that are active but also do love that social aspect, you know, getting around my friends and just having a, a good old laugh. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It is, it yeah. Is, Sorry, go, Rob. I was, I was just going to say it, it is quite amazing how much a bit of a, a bit of fitness yeah. can set up your day or even if you've had a challenging day just getting out and going for a run just makes the world a difference. It, it is remarkable. Um, I'm not yeah. great at doing it in the morning. I'm, I'm a lot better at doing it in the afternoon, but yeah, I, I'm a huge advocate of having some sort of exercise in the day just to sort of give yourself and your mind a bit of a, a refresher. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes we can get like, oh, I'm so, so busy, but then you're like, no, I've got to actually take time for myself. And you actually come back in either the next day or after lunch and you're a much more productive person. So I do believe you've got to stick to your routine and, and try and get some type of physical activity in. Yeah, because it's funny, you sometimes get yourself stuck in a rut because you're so busy and then you away from doing any exercise because you're like I don't have enough time to do it but then that yeah, exactly. almost makes you feel worse because you're not doing the exercise so you get in this spiral of going the wrong way whereas you sort of you know doing the exercise is a better thing but then you just don't have enough time and you, and you just make the wrong choice yeah more often than I'd like to admit I'm a big advocate for gym before work that's always the I'm a big big advocate for gym before work it just sets up your day nicely and then you can go home and go to sleep straight away at five o'clock in the afternoon and can't be judged i find i don't sleep as well if i don't go to the gym so it helps with my sleeping because i'm exhausted by nine o'clock and bed by 9 30. well thank you taryn it's been great to spend this time with you and and get a bit of history in you and we're looking forward to see you know where goes where you go to next maybe another office or another country or who knows who knows where we're going so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on your career Awesome. No, thanks very much. I think it was a, you know, a great insight, but I appreciate your time. Loved it. Thanks so much, Taryn. Have a great day.
Thank you. See you later. And that concludes today's podcast. Thank you so much to my guests, Jessica, Alison, and Taryn. It was amazing to hear all your exceptional stories. As always, if you're looking to be featured on the podcast or have any feedback, please feel free to email us at au at anzuk.education. I look forward to seeing you in two weeks' time.